and welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. And as promised, we are back one more time with Michael Bailey. Hey, Mike. <laughs> huzzah! Huzzah! He yes. has returned. <laughs> I, I know that all these are getting recorded and, and released at different times. It's just kind of interesting talking to you today because recently, I uh, just because I was in a Marvel mood, uh, I, I decided to go through uh, Blaine uh, Dollar's uh, 75 Marvel uh, yes. Top Marvel stories. And I've gotten to hear a lot of you. So it's been, it's been a, it's yeah, like, I yeah, I get to talk to that guy again soon. <laughs> I was on there a few times. In fact, it's kind of funny, actually, when he was planning it, I was on my honeymoon and we're heading back and I turned my phone back on and all of a sudden I got a bunch of messages from him like, hey, did you want to do this? Because I saved a couple of sh- saved a couple episodes for you that I thought you would like. I'm like, oh. Well, the, the funny thing is, we'll get to the show. Uh, but I thought you would find this amusing and maybe your audience will as well is uh, I use overcast to listen to podcasts on my, on my phone and I make uh, playlists because it's one of the meter features and somehow the episodes got out of order. So I hear Blaine say next time I'm going to have Al on to talk about Hulk 181 and then I start hearing you guys talking about a completely different comic. And I was just like, <laughs> what the heck happened? And I realized just by chance, I got it wrong, but it was still an episode with you. <laughs> so so that was a little confusing, but, you know, whatever. You know, <laughs> it, it all it all worked out. It's not like you have to listen to that show in order. Um, no. It's one of the nicer things about it. So, yeah. But yes, I've been listening to a lot of you lately. It, it's kind of funny it works out that when it works out that way, that synchronicity, because what's been coming up in my playlist now as I go through a certain because po- I'm listening to too many. So I am so far behind in like 90 percent of them. I don't even worry about that anymore. I'm just like usually I listen to se- several of them in chunks. I'm like, OK, I'm going to listen to the next 20 episodes of this and then I'll go on to the next one. So do you know what the most recent one I was listening to? What? Overlook Dark Knight. Ah, oh, very good. Yep. Up to episode seven. I had listened to it before, and then I forgot to mark down where I was, and I don't remember. So, like, eh, I don't remember. All right, let's just start over. (laughs) Well, that's another one where, unless we're doing a series, you can kind of bounce in and out and not have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah, you can skip one and two and still go right to three, because one and two was uh, Untold Legends of Batman. Yep. Yep. Which Which is one of the ones you're covering that I actually had, that I had the little pocketbook version of it. Maybe still yeah, that cuts it all to pieces. That's a weird pocketbook. Yeah. Um, but most of those pocketbooks were like that, uh, in my experience of seeing them. So. Yeah, I had the Return of the Jedi. I have the Return of the Jedi one too, which is also really, really tiny lettering. Almost impossible yeah, we got, to read. We got three more issues of the Avengers. So uh, yep. they were, and and spoiler warning, they were good. Mm-hmm. Yep, issues 259, Episode 260, and 261. <laughs> Episode over. We can we can break early and go get cocktails. Woo! Woo, cocktails. <laughs> I mean, they were good. I mean, we even had the... I mean, they were good even with the Beyonder. Yeah, that, that was the shocking thing, is I, I forgot how deep... Uh, I have never read all of the Secret Wars 2 tie-ins. Um mainly because I have no desire to ever really read Secret Wars 2. I have just heard too many bad things about it. 
uh, and I've I've read and oddly enough, I read a, the, the Hulk Secret Wars two tie in, which is one of those weird crossovers where it has this extremely important explanation in it, and then the Beyonders just there at the end of the issue, and it's <laughs> like if you cut out all of the Beyonder stuff, it just doesn't matter. So it's a Red Skies crossover. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, at le- the Beyonder at least shows up. But it's mostly the issue uh, three twelve, I believe, is the two. The and it was revealed for the first time that Bruce comes from an abusive background. Oh, that's right. That would be. And it's the history yeah. of Brian Banner being such a monster that created the monster, and Peter David used that as kind of a springboard. Mm-hmm. Oh for, yeah. Basically, most of his run. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, if anyone's interested, by the way, in Secret Wars 2, I'll tell you this. From what I've read and heard, yes, you are right. Most of the most of Secret Wars 2 isn't that great. But if anyone's listened to the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, which covers all of it, they will agree with you. But from what, also, from what I've read and what they've said, a good chunk of the crossovers are actually, there There are a lot of good crossover issues. Just the main yeah, book wasn't that great. I mean, the X-Men crossovers are good, issues. the mutants, those are amazing. Yep. Yeah, the, the Daredevil one's good, the Fantastic Four one is unnecessary, but good <laughs> in its own right. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those... It's one of those weird crossovers where the main book is kind of superfluous, almost. Yeah. Uh, like, there's nothing about any of the crossovers that I've ever read that made me want to go read the main book. And yeah. this the issue we are going to be talking about was no exception. <laughs> yeah, I would actually possibly read the crossovers. I don't know if I would ever re- go do a read of Secret Wars 2. Yeah. <laughs> I would just kind of skip through that. I'm like, nope, don't need it, don't need it. And yet there's an omnibus of that. Yep. Go figure. There's also an omnibus of The Crossing, so... Oh, God. Which I I know people who will defend that story. So it's just, it's just I, I don't know what the rule is uh, in, in in the the comic book sphere. Uh, you know how there's like you know internet rules, but there there has there, there has to be a rule with a very very low number that anything you hate is the favorite of somebody that you know. And hey, that someone loves the crossing, great. I hope they got the the on the bus and they're loving it, and that's great for them. Uh, just you just keep it away from me. I don't want it. <laughs> nope. Did you know that Michael Bailey hosts a podcast? Yeah, I host or co-host a number of podcasts, actually. Did you know that Michael Bailey releases his podcast through the dark web? Now, that's not true at all. I release my shows on the regular internet. I don't even know how to get to the dark web. Did you know that Michael's financing comes from shady donors who make up a cabal of people that like to kick puppies and kittens? What are you talking about? I'm pretty much self-financed outside of a modest Patreon that I produce no extra content Did you know that Michael Bailey supports free podcasts for everyone and also works on his shows with potential foreign spies and anarchists? Of course I support free podcasts for everyone. And Andy isn't a spy of any kind. 
Bethany and Allison are hardly anarchists, and Jeff... Okay, you may have me there. Jeff is a little out there. Why would you support such a man by listening to his pod? All right, that's enough of that. Can we, can we get rid of creepy voice guy? He, he's not working out. He really just isn't. You can't get rid of me that easily. I'm a scary voice that is meant to frighten people into... Okay, okay, that's, that's better. Hey, everyone. My name is Michael Bailey, and I run the Fortress of Baileytude Podcasting Network. The Fortress is a collection of podcasts that I either host or co-host, all housed in a single place to make things easier on me. The shows in the network include From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, which I host with Jeffrey Taylor, and is all about the Superman books published between 1986 and 2006. The Overlooked Dark Knight, a non-index index show, which is a Batman podcast that is about Batman stories hardly anyone talks about that I host with Andrew Leyland. Views from the Long Box, my comics-centric podcast that has been online since 2007. And the newest show on the network, The Superman and Lois Tapes, which I host with Allison and Bethany and is all about the CW series Superman and Lois. The network can be found at www.fortressofbailytude.com, which also houses one of the web's largest repositories of information on the death and return of Superman from 1992 and 1993. You can subscribe to any of these programs through Apple Podcasts slash iTunes or through your favorite podcatcher, either a la carte or through the Master Feed, which has all of the episodes of all of the shows. The Fortress and its shows are also on Spotify, if you're into that sort of thing. The Fortress of Bailey Toot Podcasting Network. Doing my best to relieve boredom since 2007. The music on this trailer, Delay Rock, and Political Action Ad are by Kevin McLeod and are used under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Did you know? Oh, shut up! So let's talk about some good issues so we get that out of yes. taste out of our mouths. And start with the first one, Avengers 259, on the side of the scrolls. Avengers number 259, Duty Over All. Writer, Roger Stern. Breakdowns, John Bosima. Finishes, Tom Palmer. Colors, Christy Scheel. Letters, Jim Novick. Cover art by John Buscema and Tom Palmer. Editor, Mark Grunewald with Howard Mackey. Cover dated September 1985. On sale date June 11th, 1985. Cover price, 65 cents. You can find this reprinted in Dyrasure number 16, a German reprint, but not sure of the date. Los Vengadores number 59, a 1987 Spanish reprint. Secret Wars 2, number 48, a 1988 UK reprint. Strange, number 223, a 1988 French reprint. Avengers, The Legacy of Thanos trade paperback from 2014. And digitally on Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited and other digital sites. Receiving Captain Marvel's message, the Avengers, accompanied by Fire Lord, rocket to the Andromeda Galaxy in a titanium starship piloted by Star Fox. Once reunited with her teammates, Captain Marvel presents them to the Skrull's leader, General Zadaro, who tells them how, after Galactus' destruction of their throne world, the ruthless Nebula and her mercenaries had taken over world after world with a shattered Skrull empire. Although Captain Marvel had engineered a ruse making it seem that Nebula had destroyed Zadaro's base, Nebula is still at large and in command of Thanos' immensely powerful ship, Sanctuary 2. Although neither side truly trusts the other, the Avengers and the Skrulls become allies against their mutual foe. Yep, and pretty this, dynamic cover. Yeah. And this is probably one of the first issue, earliest issues I can think of that actually uses the Skrulls as not just 
evil alien warrior race. Yeah, you're. I, I think you're right about that because mostly they are the bad guys. But um, not to oh, get wait. too. F- oh. I'm wrong. It's not one of the. Well, it might be one of the first, but it's not the first. The first would be, yeah. which I should know, Death of Captain Marvel, where the scrolls show up and say, you are not just our foe, you are our greatest foe, we honor you, he, th- and they give him the scroll, Royal Scroll Medal of Valor. Mm-hmm. But no, this this was the time period, really, for kind of the more... <sighs> See, Silver Age Marvel is weird in that it has this reputation of being deep, but if you go back and read original, like early, early Marvel books, it is deeper to a certain extent in that characters are squabbling with each other, which rarely happened at the competition. Uh, you know, you didn't you didn't open up an issue of the Justice League until much later and see them disagreeing on something or having a fight yes. or having a member that's just going to up and quit. Uh, you know, because the rest of the team doesn't trust him. So I, I think that gives the veneer of Marvel, uh, the veneer of Silver, Mar- Silver Age Marvel a veneer, because I can speak English. And I know <laughs> where to put words in a sentence. Uh, it gives Silver Age Marvel this veneer of being so much deeper than I think it actually is. And and, and that's not to say that it, that there aren't moments of like wow that's that's a really kind of mature and 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 deep thought to have but i think when you get closer into the 70 later 70s and into the 80s is when the fans of that material are now getting a chance to shape that world and you have then the opportunity to show that the scrolls are kind of like the klingons to a certain extent yeah, they're the bad guy in the original series, but there's a Klingon on the ship in Next Gen. Yeah. Uh, because things change. And that's one of the things I, I really appreciated about the end of this story in general is how the Skrulls were like, why are we working with these people? They are our enemies. <laughs> yeah. And spoiler warning, there is no Skrull um, backstabbing. By the end of the story. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. No. Which, yeah, no, no. And it makes sense, though, that when we get to that, but the, the response of why we're working with them is like, are you stupid? <laughs> it's like, they could destroy our ship all by themselves. They want to help us. Let's let them. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Continuing the Roger Stern run and, bring, and not even getting up to his most famous story, but still. Yeah, no wonder this run is just revered still. No, absolutely. And just so, making, yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, you go ahead. I'm saying just showing Nebula being this, no wonder she's supposed to be the granddaughter of Thanos. I mean, she is just like, oh, good. We killed a whole bunch of people. Yeah, it, 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 it's a really strong way to open the issue that they're, um, they're looking at all this destruction and her main concern is finding Captain Marvel's body. Yeah. Uh, and I, I do appreciate that we have the whole scene of her destroying the world 
uh, that they were just viewing and just just putting it into that. And that melds right into the scene on Earth a week later with Fire Lord basically <laughs> serving <laughs> as a giant uh, trash uh, trash incinerator. Yeah, he's doing garbage <laughs> duty. And the thing I love about this is that you got the one dude that's watching and he's got an oxygen tank. He's got a full burn suit on. Uh, you know, he looks like he's, you know, like trying to model for a G.I. Joe figure at the time. He's barbecue. Yeah, he's pretty much. Yeah, he's pretty much barbecue. You know, he's you know, he's going to get a call about the Viper at the uh, at the cookout he's having. But Hercules is standing. Hercules is standing there and he's just got an oxygen mask on. Like, and, and I don't even think he needs that. I think he's protecting his beard. Yeah. In all honesty. <laughs> I, I can imagine them saying, and you have, but you have to wear this. He goes, really? Fine, mortal, whatever. <laughs> just throws it on. It's not even turned on. It's backwards. He doesn't and, care. And, and I kind of, you know, despite the fact that Fire Lord, you know, did kind of have it coming, I do have to say it is very strange to have this very high cosmic level character uh, that was once a herald of Galactus basically paying penance by wiping away toxic waste, essentially. Yeah. And making it so good that the guy's like, the guy's like, well, you can't take this mask off. It's not. No, it's clean air. He's like, what? He's like, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> like, I don't get it, but okay. And uh, he just we, pushes up into a little ball and just carries it out under his arm. Uh, we get a short s- scene with She-Hulk going on a date with Wyatt Wingfoot. Why do we see She-Hulk? Well, there is a editor's note reminding us that the Fantastic Four have been staying at Avengers Mansion following the destruction of the Baxter building. Uh, and, and Wyatt wants to know where Cap gets his shirts. So, nice little character moment there. Hello? I just realized I'm muted. Yeah, I was about to say, I think you muted yourself. <laughs> I said, this is the same month as uh, Fantastic Four 282. But yeah, at this point, Kristoff uh, is running around as Doctor Doom, and he's basically redoing Doom's biggest, earliest hits. So he's like, well, let's pick up the Baxter building and send it to space. So he kind of did better since it didn't come back. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, uh, you know, in the 60s, you know, it didn't get too far. But Kristoff, you know, kid had kid had skills. No wonder Doom needed to slap him down. Yeah, it's not that he's taking over for him. He's doing better. It's like, I don't like, Doom does not like this. Do not upstage me. So it, it's funny because I remember when I read... Um, first time I read through Brian Michael Bendis's new Avengers run, like the beginning of it, because I, I did not finish it. Uh, that is not a, a statement on the material. It's just a statement on the fact that I lose interest in stuff. And I remember thinking at the time, man, he seems to spend a lot of that early run focusing on the fact that Tony can't afford the equipment that the Avengers used to have. I thought, why is it? He's spending a lot. God, is this is this just an example of a writer like looking at something from the past 
and saying, man, that was silly. Let me show you how it would be in the real world. And then you have a conversation here between Jarvis and Captain America about the fact that the bills arrived from the airline for the plane fare charged against your Avengers card. (laughs) Because the government is not giving them the privileges they once had. I'm like, oh, so this has just been a constant thing. Okay. Yeah. I feel I got to reevaluate that, I guess. Well, I mean, if you want to do it, go with that. Remember, go all the way back to like Fantastic Four, what is it, 11? Where they yep. get kicked out of the Baxter building and they go to make a movie. Because they're sure broke. Stan's thing, man. There was so many. Like Spider-Man had that happen to him where he had to go make a movie. It was just like, wow, I guess make it. I guess the idea of making, I mean, a, making a movie is, you know, a big deal these days. But back then it seemed to be like this mythical thing. So, yeah, you know, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's in Marvel's DNA from the beginning. So we we're going through. We get some more character stuff with start with uh, the Black Knight. He's riding his metal steed. Um, yep, that the Beast brought back from Wundagore, which uh, actually the, Avengers one eighty seven, which I actually read not too long ago. And then you have the Avengers finally getting the message from Captain Marvel, and because this is this era of the Avengers, they just go into space. Yep. Star Fox is like, not a problem. I got it. I'll drive. And it's funny how often, how normal this was. And then I remember seeing Avengers Endgame and seeing them all going into space for the first time. And it was like a huge deal. And I'm just kind of fascinated by how in one representation of this property, some things are fantasticals, and on another, this is just Tuesday. We're yeah, well, these guys have already gone to space a bunch. I mean, we already had the Kree Scroll War like a hundred issues ago. Yep. So it's like, no, we we've done this before. So been there, done that, and so start, they go to Star Fox's bigger ship, <laughs> and now we jump back to this one of the Scroll Worlds, and apparently Nebula is in charge of this group. Of this faction. And she is the one. She is the one basically. Running it. She's not just being a mercenary. She's like making herself. Almost like putting herself in charge. Yeah. And that's why it's kind of interesting. That the Avengers run into. Another contingent of Skrulls. And we get. uh, Kind of a history. Of how. The Skrull homeworld. Was destroyed by Galactus. Yep. And that now they are a people on the run. And because of that, you can have one faction getting taken over by Nebula and another faction getting taken over, j- just not wanting anything to do with that. And there's just a lot of interplanetary politics here that never gets boring. And that's the thing about this issue and, and the next couple is that I was never checking the page count. I was just kind of running through it. It's dense from a text standpoint, uh, but that's just you know how comics were written in the 80s. They took you more than five minutes to read. Again, that is not saying that it's better than what we get nowadays. It's just different. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. It, I mean, today's books also go better in a collection where you can read them all and go through it. These in a collection, unfortunately, you're going to keep getting recaps Every yep. issue, what happened the issue before. 
Yeah, and 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 I wonder Just what newer readers make of those. Like, do they do they contextualize it and? Like say, oh, that's just how it was, or do they get kind of bored with it? Because um, you know, like like you take ten issues of Roger Stern's Avengers are going to take you a lot longer to read than ten issues of Brian Michael Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man. That is not to say you won't get equal amount of enjoyment out of both. It just depends on your tastes. Yeah, uh, but the Stern stuff's going to take you probably twice as long to read. True. I think it also depends on how those, you know, to answer your question, I think it also is going to depend for the, you know, a current reader who wasn't, you know, a much younger current reader. Yep. Uh, depends on how these flashbacks are done. Is it just one character saying to another, as you know, because you were with me the entire time, but I'm going to tell you what happened before anyway, like you weren't here. Or is it done in a different way? You know, is it characters, you know, is it somebody filling in somebody who wasn't there, let's say, or... Like some of Starlin's run and like Captain Marvel or Warlock, he would actually have a different character show up. They would he would do like interesting things with the art, so it wasn't just kind of like uh, redoing panels from like the last issue. And you get a good example of of the the <laughs> the more palatable way to do a recap, where you have the Skrull explaining to Captain America the history of what happened to the Skrull world and why they're in the situation they're in and how Nebula faces into it and how Captain Marvel played her role. So we're getting all of these flashbacks, but they make sense because Captain America and Hercules and Fire Lord and Star Fox and Black Knight and Wasp, they weren't there. So telling them makes perfect sense. And in fact, when you get to the part with Captain Marvel, we weren't even there for half of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there was some stuff there that they had to fill in. Yeah, because they they lead the last issue off with that whole thing exploding, and you think they're dead, and Captain Marvel might be dead. And then we find out, you know, it's like, well, this is how I actually tricked her. You know, so she thought she destroyed it all, and basically we destroyed the rest ourselves and flew off really quick before she could, you know, see from the explosion. And I do like that there is an actual debate on whether or not to help these Skrulls. And I love that Fire Lord's like, we're, we're not even thinking about this, right? This, this, this isn't something we're going to be doing. And I love that, you know, the Skrull is like, there is much to what Captain Marvel says. Many of Nebula's warriors are natives of your galaxy, and your world is a stepping stone to greater seats of power. You will battle with Nebula, Nebula and her forces now or later. And it's just like, is this like a larger like examination of the U.S. involvement in other countries? Like, is this Vietnam? Oh. <laughs> and it's Thankfully not. not. Be- it's not because, you know, frankly, most of Vietnam was about lining the pockets of, of, of manufacturers of weaponry and stuff. And trying yeah, it's going to gotta depend on the conflict. If we're, yeah. if we're bringing it down to here, to real world stuff, it's going to depend on which conflict. Yeah. Some yes, yeah. some no. I mean, World War II, probably. But it's it, it's kind of fascinating that, you know, I was I was like nine years old when I read this the first time, because this was one of those books. Uh, I think I explained it in a past episode that was part of the pack of comics that I got for Christmas. Oh yeah. Christmas of 85. Uh, when Sears used to offer those Marvel packs, uh, 
it was the previous one and this issue. And I remember reading at the time and not really making heads or tails of it because there's a lot going on and you kind of have to be somewhat steeped in Marvel to get, get to this, or it has got to grab you so hard that you want to find out. And unfortunately that's just not where my head was at the time. Reading it now, I'm like, wow, this is deep. This is yeah. this this is a really good uh, space opera that is is dealing with an empire in ruins where so many factions of it are now vying for ultimate power that one of them fell under the auspices of a madwoman who, by the way, at the end of this issue destroy it kills the man that was supposedly in charge <laughs> yeah and with yeah this is kind of along the lines of and i'm sure there were some stories about that i'm forgetting probably of like after the empire is destroyed and returned the jedi like the rebellion have or the you know i guess it'd be the on the alliance having to partner with like a faction because there's somebody worse out there yep and if we don't get together we're all screwed and it's a great way to end the issue too, because there, there's no background in the in that last panel. It's just the smoking corpse of the scroll of Gorth, uh, which is a great name. Yeah. Um, and I love her. I love Nebula's line here: "Prepare a propaganda statement." Yeah, <laughs> the Emperor died in battle. Yeah, and and that's what we're gonna say. And that you know that's where that's where we leave off. And it's just like, okay, that's awesome. I'm down with this. Yeah, she's much cool. more entertaining than I remember. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, I think, why I really, at some point, when I get done with the things that I'm going through now, Stern's run on Avengers is always a run I've been wanting to read. And I do want to read all of it before I get to Siege. I don't want to jump right to that. I feel like that's something you have to earn. Because <laughs> it's such an iconic Avengers story, and it's, you know, even though he lasts a few issues after it, it's the end of his run, basically. So, but with yeah. this being kind of like smack in the middle, you know, he was kind of running on all cylinders the entire time, it seems. Yeah, no, I've read a, the majority of the issues up until this point that he wrote. And yeah, yeah, it's pretty good all the way through. So I might continue on and finish up after, after we do these. I might just continue on and go right through through the uh, siege story but yeah my introduction to nebula was a, a little while later so avengers like 314 315 when spider-man joins as a uh, reserve member and, and that was she just wasn't that interesting i didn't never find her that interesting there and so kind of yeah. colored my take of the character and as I think we've also talked about in the past episodes, uh, this Nebula is different from the Nebula of the movie. Uh, yes. Uh, completely different. Yes, not uh, a cyborg. Not it, definitely the daughter of Thanos and raised by him, but claims to be the granddaughter. And I, and I think really, in the grand scheme of things... Yeah, it would have been cool if they did a more quote-unquote comic book accurate version for the movies. But I think the Gamora-Nebula relationship that we got in the movies played out so good that I don't want to change it. 
you know, the, they changed a lot, but I think they got the the essence of at least that Thanos has this extended family that's really messed up. <laughs> yeah, and not not no, not 100%, but exact, but more or less. Basically what they did, which is something I talked about a couple of years ago, actually. I think it was like when Infinity War came out or something with uh, was it? Ryan Daly's show, uh, Flowers and Fishnets. Because Gamora kind of has a fishnet-looking costume, at least in the comics. Fair. <laughs> is that is that um, Gamora in the movies is very much a lot like Gamora from the seventies, and Nebula, once she turns in the movies, is a lot like Gamora currently. That that that's a good way to put it. So they made it that yeah, way, we... so it works. <laughs> In late 1984, Marvel's direct sales manager sat in a crowded meeting of comic retailers. Let's be honest, Secret Wars was crap, right? But did it sell? The room exploded with applause. Well, get ready for Secret Wars Series 2. Beginning in 2018, Pulp to Pixel's Marvel superhero Secret Wars and Beyond will do the unthinkable Secret Wars 2. We'll take a detailed look at the event, the tie-ins, the new characters, and we will attempt to answer one of the largest questions in the history of the Marvel Universe. What the heck was Jim Shooter thinking? No, no, seriously, what was Jim Shooter thinking? Well, you can find out at the Pulp to Pixel Podcast Network, where you can subscribe to all of our amazing shows, or just to Secret Wars and Beyond itself, as it is now in its own omnipotent feed. Secret Wars 2 and Beyond, a Pulp to Pixel podcast production. You'll believe an omnipotent being can use the restroom. Avengers number 260, Assault on Sanctuary 2. Writer, Roger Stern. Breakdowns, John Buscema. Finishes, Tom Palmer. Colors, Christy Scheel. Letters, Jim Novick. Cover art, John Byrne and Christy Scheel. Editor, Mark Grunewald with Howard Mackey. Cover dated October 1985. On sale date July 9th, 1985. Cover price, 65 cents. You can find this reprinted in Diration number 16, a German reprint, but no date given. Lost Vengadors, number 60, a 1988 Spanish reprint. Secret Wars 2, number 50, a 1988 UK reprint. Strange, number 224, a 1988 French reprint. Secret Wars 2 Omnibus from 2009. Avengers The Legacy of Thanos trade paperback from 2014, True Believers, Avengers Nebula No. 1 from 2019, and digitally on Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited and other digital sites. Following the Avengers' decision to side with the Skrulls in order to stop Nebula's bid to take over the universe, Fire Lord refuses to ally himself with a race that has shown so much aggression towards his Xandarian people. He returns to his homeworld of Xandar to find it in ruins, tracking down its ruler, Queen Adora. Fire Lord learns it was attacked by Nebula's forces. Elsewhere in space, the Avengers and Skrull Commander, Zadaro, begin planning a strategy to stop Nebula's forces, who now have full control of Thanos' old ship, Sanctuary 2. They decide to try diplomacy first, and teleport a communications tube in the general area of Sanctuary 2, and it is promptly brought to Nebula. She views it and finds a message from Zadaro and Captain Marvel asking for Nebula and her minions to surrender. Nebula angrily blasts communications device and orders her warriors to prepare for immediate battle. Sure enough, the Skrull Battalion arrives, with the Avengers' aid begins giving Nebula's forces a good pounding. Nebula is hard-pressed to use Sanctuary 2's devastating weapons, as she would need to drop the ship's shields, leaving a vulnerable penetration by Captain Marvel's energy form. 
As the battle rages on, Fire Lord returns to lend his aid, giving the Skrull Avengers Alliance a much-needed boost. One of Nebula's warships, however, hits him with one of their weapons at full power, sending him crashing into a nearby moon. Not seriously harmed, Fire Lord digs himself out of the rubble to find that he is not alone. A lone figure stands before him, asking if he is one of the Avengers. As the Avengers fight on, Captain Marvel tries to penetrate the seal of Sanctuary 2 in her energy form. She decides to change her tactic instead and manages to overload it before returning to the main Skrull ship. This gives the invaders an opening, and Captain America leaves Zadaro and a group of Skrulls, disguised as Thanos and the Avengers, to storm the ship, gaining access with relative ease due to the fear the crew has for Thanos. While on the moon nearby, Fire Lord is helped out by the Beyonder, who tells him that he is looking for the Avengers. When Fire Lord explains that they are busy battling Nebula, the Beyonder decides to help out. Using his powers to transform his clothing into a suit of armor, he teleports away to lend him a hand in the battle. Back on board the Sanctuary 2, the Avengers has stormed the ship and are easily trouncing Nebula's forces. Elsewhere, Nebula and her minions, Gunther and Kel, are loading up an escape ship to make the retreat from the battle. They are attacked by Star Fox, who removes Nebula's blasters and demands that she turn over Sanctuary 2 because he has rights to it as Thanos was his brother. Nebula reveals that she is Thanos' granddaughter, which shocks Star Fox long enough for Gunthar to down him with a mental blast. Just then, the Beyonder appears, and upon confirming who Nebula is, blasts them with a teleportation ray. When Star Fox recovers, he demands to know who the stranger is and what he has done. The Beyonder introduces himself and explains that he did what Fire Lord told him. Remove Nebula from the galaxy. Literally. When the other Avengers arrive, Star Fox angrily explains what the Beyonder had done. When Captain Marvel explains what they had really meant, the Beyonder feels terrible as he did not realize the context in which Fire Lord had explained things to him. He remorsefully teleports away, vowing to get more experience before he acts in the affairs of others again. With the Beyonder gone, the Avengers, except for Captain America who had met him previously, wonder who the being was that helped them, while Star Fox vows to learn if Nebula truly is his grandniece or not. We ready to dive into Secret Wars 2 country? Oh, yes, we are. Avengers 260, Assault on Sanctuaries. You see all the Avengers flying. I love this cover. Yep. Of all flying it through space towards Sanctuary 2 with Nebula's kind of sort of image and, you know, only highlighted in red. With the rest. It's a a burn cover, too, which is. uh, You can tell from the cape, by the way, right away. Uh, as, as, as a guy that started reading comics seriously during Burn's Superman run, I can recognize a burn cape from about, you know, yeah, 500 yeah. yards. You know, I didn't uh, even think about that, but you're right. But it's, it's, it, the Black Knight's cape is very distinctively burn. Yeah. And of course you have the nice big giant on the, on the upper right hand corner. Secret Wars 2 continues in this issue. Yeah. Kind of non-obtrusive trade dress. Uh, I, 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 th- I think Marvel would later get very, you know, Marvel would carry this on uh, with all of the Infinity uh, crossovers that would come up and Acts of Vengeance. Uh, and it would only be getting into the uh, 2000s where they would start slapping the log- the trade dress for the event onto the issue itself. Uh, and then you had everything that happened during Civil War uh, where the you'd walk into the comic shops and there would just be these swatches of white on the stands. Yeah. Civil War, Civil War, Civil War, Civil War Avengers, Civil War Fantastic Four, Civil War X-Men. 
So. Civil War Spider Ham. But I, I do like that this, uh, you know, the, the, the story is titled Assault on Sanctuary 2. Uh, you know, we're dealing with the sequel, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. And this is, uh, you know, we were just talking about flashbacks. Now we have a flashback in terms of a character thinking about it. He's not talking to anybody. Uh, he's just kind of mulling over... Uh, Mulling over recent events because, you know, he has noped right out of there, uh, gone back to his home world, only to find that that home world was destroyed by the very person that he said he didn't want to help the Skrulls fight. Irony. And I love the name Xandar. <laughs> it's so weird looking. I mean, the tubes connecting like the cities or whatever it is, they kind of look like garbage chutes. They, like just kind of they look like garbage chutes, or they look like the thing on the back of a dryer. Yes. This is where we put all our lint. We have a ball, we have a spear for everything. That's for trash, that's for lint. Water's over here. Don't mix them up. I guess you would call that a spunnel, because it's a space tunnel. Maybe, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking too deeply into that. But yeah. It's pretty dramatic. He gets there and finds out that it's Nebula, and then we cut away completely. Uh, so we don't get the, you know, him yelling no to the heavens. Yeah. Uh, now, here's my thing. Did this come out before She-Ra? Oh, no, wait. This character would be from, like, the 70s, from the Nova series, probably. So, yeah, definitely. Yep. Queen Adora. Yep. Queen Adora. Yeah. No, no. You're, 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 you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Even that's the power a, that, of Grayskull can't stop. The what, I'm sorry? I'll say even the power of Grayskull can't stop Nebula. No, if it's Adora, it would be the honor of Grayskull, but that's just me Correct. being nitpicky. Uh, but yeah, again, we get uh, we get immediately back to the Avengers and their scroll compatriots and arguing amongst the scrolls about what uh, what needs to be done. And again, this is all just really well done. Yeah. Like I, I just found it all really compelling. I read all, I read all three of these, like one right after the other on a lunch break and I didn't want to stop. I just want to kept, I just wanted to keep it going. Yeah. And I mean, it's perfect what it is because I mean, it is all the things that if you, if they didn't put it in, people would be writing in saying, why would the scroll just agree to this? And it's like, Oh, this is why. Battle between our forces and Nebulas could mean massive losses for us. We'd be fools not to make the offer. Yep. And then you get a little short scene uh, with Nebulas people. And then it's just on. You know, the, 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 the battle starts. And you have the Avengers and Hercules and Captain, you know, the Avengers with the Wasp, you know, playing Luke Skywalker. Yes. Uh, or Han Solo, <laughs> depending on how you want to look at it. Uh Great Wasp, don't get cocky. You got uh, Hercules dropping out of the ship and tearing up, tearing one up. You got Captain Marvel doing her thing. And then, uh, why is his, I just said his name. Black Knight or Captain America? No, um, Fire Lord shows up and is just mad. <laughs> and I think this is why he cut away. From it, because this makes for such a more dramatic entrance uh, to the character into the battle. 
Yeah, he just shows up all of a sudden flying right through one of the ships. So I'm going to, to go on a limb here and, and go. So we're just going to assume that we're not showing the part where all Nebula's men are jumping out of the ship in space uh, parachutes, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We do get red lasers, but we don't get we don't get that. Yeah, the, the, no. Roger Stern was not afraid to have people die, yeah. uh, and there are a lot of people dying in this. Yeah, I, I mean, Black Knight is just flying, which has got to screw up with everyone's head who's watching, like except the Avengers, like the scrolls watching this battle, are like, wait, he's just flying out with a sword, and it's destroying a ship. Who the hell are these people? They are the mighty Avengers. That's who. <laughs> it's like no wonder no one argues with the general, and he's like, "These Avengers could destroy us all. We're gonna stick. We're gonna go with whatever plan they want to go with if they're willing to help us. Because look what they're doing on their own." And then about halfway through uh, the issue, an old friend of yours shows up. <laughs> oh yeah, Thanos. With Thanos just, uh, just you know, appearing and with a gun. Which is just weird now. Yeah. Even then, yeah, he never used a gun. He didn't need to. And I love Captain America. It's like, no, the Avengers promised to show mercy to any who surrendered. I'm not an Avenger. Okay. And then he starts uh, changing his shape, and it's it's one of the Skrulls. The only Avenger there is Cap. All the rest of Skrulls pretend to be Avengers. Kind of like, it's a weird version of like what they do in that new Illuminati miniseries. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll agree with that. And then the Beyonder shows up. <laughs> yes, just like I'm looking for the Avengers. Have you seen them? And then he adopts, frankly, '90s era mar- uh, armor. Uh, in all honesty, this is a little ostentatious for '80s era. I mean, what are those things on his shoulders? I mean, is that like I- air conditioning? Yeah, I, that's the that's the only thing I think is either speakers or a good air conditioning unit. Because um, it, it, it does not look like it goes with the rest of the armor. But I do like it that, but on the other hand, this is what the Beyonder thinks he should be wearing. Because he's um, utterly clueless. And then we get kind of the, the uh, final bit of the of the big battle where the Beyonder shows up and just kind of takes care of everything. Yeah, and it's he's really like, oh. weird. Yeah, he's like, you're Nebula. <laughs> they want you to go away. I'll send you away. Right after Star Fox finds out who she claims she is, and he's like, "What did you do, you idiot?" Which is a really weird way to end a story. But I guess if you're handed something like a Secret Wars two crossover, and you have to fit it in, it's it's not the it's 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 not terrible. Um, no, and I mean, it works for what they want, what Roger Stern wants to do. You know, obviously he wants the Avengers to win this battle and end the problem with Nebula. Well, you don't have to worry about whether or not the Skrulls want to execute her or not or have a fight about that. You just have to be on her yep. way. Problem solved. In 1939, Timely Comics published its first issues. It later changed its name, first to Alice Comics and then to Marvel Comics. In 2014, Marvel polled its fans asking for the 75 greatest Marvel stories from those 75 years and published that list in print form. 
the unofficial 75 Greatest Marvels Countdown will walk through all 75 of these stories every Wednesday from December 31st, 2014 to June 1st, 2016. Join me, Blaine Dowler, and a cadre of other hosts, including established podcasting greats and emerging talents, as we run through the list, discuss each story in the context of its original release, and determine just what makes it so great. The unofficial 75 Greatest Marvels Countdown can be found at Bureau42.com, on iTunes, and on Stitcher. Avengers number 261, Earth and Beyond. Writer, Roger Stern. Breakdowns, John Buscema. Finishes, Tom Palmer. Colors, Christy Scheel. Letters, Jim Novak. Cover art, John Buscema, Tom Palmer, and Christy Scheel. Editor, Mark Grunwald with Howard Mackey. Cover dated November 1985. On sale date August 6th, 1985, with a cover price of 65 cents. You can find us reprinted in Diration number 16, a German reprint, but no date given. Los Vengadores number 60 and 61, a 1988 Spanish reprint. Secret Wars 2 number 59, a 1988 UK reprint. Strange number 225, a 1988 French reprint. Secret Wars 2 Omnibus from 2009, Avengers The Legacy of Thanos trade paperback from 2014, and digitally on Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited and other digital sites. In the aftermath of their battle against Nebula, the Skrulls come to terms with the fact that they have lost their shape-changing abilities. While discussing how to deal with Sanctuary 2, Star Fox exercises his right of ownership over his late brother's warship by activating its gravity stabilizers, which causes the massive ship to collapse in on itself causing it to implode. Although the Skrull Warriors are upset at this, their commander, General Zadaro, decides not to punish the Avengers for this action, but suggests that they do make a hasty departure from his ship, promising that the Skrulls will not menace the Earth again. Fire Lord is quick to question this. However, the Wasp and Hercules convince him to leave peacefully as well, with the Wasp pointing out that Zadaro had saved him from the moon he was trapped on during their Battle of Nebula. As the Avengers depart aboard Star Fox's ship and travel through subspace to Earth, Captain America secretly wonders if the Beyonders' arrival on Earth could pose a threat to their homeworld. As they near Earth's space, Star Fox informs the team that he is leaving them so he can continue his search for Nebula and learn if her claims of being Thanos' granddaughter are true. Fire Lord offers to accompany Star Fox, wanting to avenge his native Xandar from Nebula's previous attack. The Avengers bid their comrades farewell before departing back to Earth aboard their Quinjet. They arrive at Avengers' mansion, minus Captain Marvel, who went home first, where Jarvis informs him of his encounter with the Beyonder, and how he told the powerful being that the Avengers were off-world, allowing the Avengers to figure out how the One from Beyond got involved in their battle against Nebula. Captain America decides that finding the Beyonder be their top priority, when he is handed a letter by Jarvis from the FAA, asking that the Avengers remove their Quinjets from the heart of the city within 30 days. Captain America and the Wasp meet with Mr. Fenton with the FAA to try and appeal the ruling. However, Fenton doesn't budge. Since the Avengers have lost their government clearance, it has been cited that subsonic jets and powerful jet fuel being stored in Manhattan is just too dangerous. When Captain America points out that the Avengers need their Quinjets to handle a dangerous menace, Fenton asks who that could be. On cue, the Beyonder appears, suggesting that he is the threat that Captain America was speaking of. The Beyonder puts Captain America and the Wasp on a merry chase, but when the two senior Avengers manage to trip him up, he realizes he was defeated much too easily and teleports away. He appears before the Black Knight Hercules, who have traveled to Project Pegasus to have them analyze the Beyonder's energy signature so they can find a means to track him. 
There, he pits his strength against Hercules and easily punches the demigod out of the facility. He then attempts to sword fight with the Black Knight. However, when the Black Knight is forced to land a fatal stab with his sword, the Beyonder teleports away once again. Shortly, the Avengers all reunite at the mansion and relate their encounters with the Beyonder and how best to deal with him. When the one from beyond appears before them, Hercules punches him through the ceiling, sending the powerful being into the Quinjet hangar room. The damage causes some of the potent jet fuel to ignite, but the flames are put out by the automated systems. Hercules is the first to make it up there, but is stopped from fighting the Beyonder further by Captain America, who believes the Beyonder is only there to talk. They learn that the Beyonder feels bad after inadvertently allowing Nebula to escape because he did not understand what the Avengers' true goal was. He wanted to make it up to them by providing a sporting challenge. The boss then decides to offer the Beyonder a position as an Avenger in training. This shocks the group, mostly Hercules. However, they realize there isn't any way they can contain the Beyonder, and that perhaps it's best to guide him on a responsible use of his powers, so that he uses them only for good. The Beyonder likes this offer. However, after he uses his powers to repair the damage done to the mansion, he tells them that he has a whole world to experience, and teleports away. With the Beyonder gone, the Avengers wonder what to do next, with Captain America hoping that the Beyonder remains on the side of good. Otherwise, the entire world may be threatened with destruction. Which leads to the next issue of, of everyone just kind of sitting around and talking for most of the for most of the time, in all honesty. <laughs> Which isn't a bad thing. It's just it's it, yeah. it's a good end of a story, like a issue after the end of the story issue. I'm sure there's a nice uh, cleaner way to say that. Yeah, the epilogue issue. Or the 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 uh Yeah, I'm trying to think of a word now for it. Kind of like a border issue, not a border, but something like that, where you know goes goes from one one storyline to the next. The word I was probably looking for was transition, because we're but going from the issue, this story to the next story, which is much more mundane. The issue of where do we land our planes? <laughs> and yet, I've read next issue. Next issue is awesome. But two sixty one has a uh, man. There's no way to make that that costume look good. No, I, I am just assuming that those are oil filters. Uh, <laughs> like if you're ever going to cosplay that, you're just going to get a giant oil filter from like a truck or something. Yeah. And put it inside some like some some tinfoil covered stuff. Man, maybe that's what I need to do next year for con. There yeah, you but go. I can't pull off that hair. That's the pro- that's the only problem. Uh, but but Stern. Soul glow. Oh, I will say at the beginning of 261 Earth and Beyond. Stern drops a big bomb. The scrolls that are on that ship can no longer change shape. Because that's Fantastic, huge. The Fantastic Four are out fighting the scrolls at the same time. Or fighting with the scrolls, I forget which. Uh and and it's just weird. It's a unit. Yes, it was the result of the hyperwave bombardment from the Imperial Power Asteroid. My science officers have confirmed the Avengers reports that it was a universal phenomenon. And it cannot be reversed. Ever. It will be this way forever. Just like John Walker is Captain America forever. And Rhodey is Captain America as Iron Man forever. Or, you know, put whatever name is in there now. I'm still waiting for the Marvel DC crossover where you have Steel, Asriel, and uh, what was her name? Oh, um, Woman Replacement. Oh, my God. Artemis. 
Artemis teaming up with John Walker, uh, Rhodey, and uh, Eric Masterson. Yeah, I think there's something. I think there's something there. I, th- I think they can make something of that. Uh, but yeah, they also destroy Sanctuary Two. Um, basically, I love it. Sanctuary Two's gravity stabilizer should be overloading as the craft collapses in on itself. The shielding generators of the central power core will cease to function resulting in thermonuclear fusion of some magnitude. So not only have we, as Stern said, nope, the Skrulls can't shape change anymore. He's also destroyed the big ship. That's been the been a big part of this story. So he is, he's cleaning up a lot. This issue. (laughs) Yeah. And that's fine for Thanos because he doesn't need that ship anymore. He's just going to travel on by chair from now on. Yep. Looking like a boss doing it too. Like, works for Metron, uh, works for me. We have a nice scene where Fire Lord's running his mouth, and it's uh, Wasp who has to point out that uh, you would like that, wouldn't you, Sidara? With the Avengers all in Star Fox's ship, you could train them all. All you could train all of your artillery on them. If you think we trust a Skrull, and it's Wasp and Captain Marvel that are like, no, no, this we've been working with this guy. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. then him being all upset. Like, sorry, go on. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, I love that. She's like, he's earned our trust more than you have. You keep running off on your own, ignoring you know, ignoring us. He's been working, he's been working with us. And Hercules, once again, being the voice of reason, it's just like that I should be indebted to a scroll. Astounding. Tis a debt you can repay by leaving with us in peace. That's the Hercules way of saying, shut up and keep moving, dummy. And the scrolls kind of cool. The, the general is cool at the end, too. He's like, I do not fully understand such selflessness, but I feel strangely honored by it. May, cur- may your courage endure. And it's one of those things where, again, the scrolls were always uh, like the bad guys. They were the bad guys of the Fantastic Four. They tried to invade Earth, and uh, Mr. Fantastic turned uh, three of them into cows. Then, the, which Grant Morrison would later turn into yes. the Skull cr- Kill Crew, where the meat from those cows did a weird version of Mad Cow Disease. It was, God, the 90s were great. Um, I, I bought that as it came out. <laughs> I remember that. Really? Yes, I did. I have that. It's probably still in my collection somewhere. But basically, we are done with Nebula. We are done with all of that. It's the Avengers returning to Earth and. Uh, Monica going to see her family and they're all excited and the rest of the Avengers heading uh, back to Avengers uh, mansion. And then, and Oh, Star Fox quitting. Yep. Star Fox quitting. Uh, You've got um, them gaining a letter that the federal aviation commission, aviation administration, the FAA is giving the Avengers 30 days to move their Quinjets out of the city. And, you have the the Mr. Fenton, who is their new liaison, being rather reasonable about the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, he sees their problem, but he can't. Conti- he's got a point. I can't cont- allow the continuance of a private jet port for supersonic aircraft in the heart of Manhattan, especially considering the highly volatile aviation f- fuel you store there. And all of this is really leading, I think, to Avengers Island. Yes, it is. Uh, which makes more sense, really. 
I'm mm-hmm. sorry, the Avengers having their headquarters in the middle of Manhattan is insane, just in general. <laughs> it really is. It's one of those things where you're thinking, maybe you're thinking too deeply, or maybe most people weren't thinking deeply enough. <laughs> An island base is just kind of cool. You get a better place set out of that. Plus, you know, hey, fresh seafood. That is very true. One of the things I miss about visiting my aunts in Maryland, you would not get fresher crab. Oh, yeah. No, they have a lobster bait in the next issue on the beach. (laughs) Um, And then it's the Beyonder show. Yeah, I love the timing of this. Oh, really? And just what might this menace be? I believe Captain America is referring to me as the Beyonder just pops in on his desk. And I will admit... I kind of lost the thread of the story a little bit here. Uh, my interest really waned because I just, I don't care about the Beyonder. I really don't. But he was everywhere in this these nine months. I do like the fact that uh, Black Knight stabs him through the uh, midsection. And his, uh, his response is, that was clumsy of me. I knew that sharpened blade can pierce flesh and cause pain. I've, ne- I've, I've experienced such before. You impaled yourself? <laughs> like he's like peculiar. That's what this is. Peculiar. What's wrong with you? And it, it, it's um, eventually they offer him become an Avengers in training, and he's just like, no. But here's all the stuff I wrecked. Sorry, my bad. Deuces, and then he's out of there. Out. <laughs> I mean, smart move on the Wasp is like, let's not fight this idiot because, well, he's a very powerful idiot. Let's use him. She is not wrong. Though we, and we get a really cool thing of, of Hercules punching him up through the different levels. Yeah. Um, which is just irresponsible. <laughs> it kind of proves which, Mr. Fenton's point. It, exactly. It actually causes the explosion that he was, war- he was warning them about. But uh, I do have to say one thing. It's kind of funny that Star Fox leaves this issue before they get back to Earth because he wants to go find Nebula, wherever the Beyonder sent her, because he needs to find out if she's his granddaughter or not. When if he had just stayed with the Avengers for like six more pages, he could have at least requested, hey, she's apparently related to me. Could you send me where you sent her? Yeah, You you have a point there. Um, When is (laughs) the next time we see Star Fox? I don't know. Okay, I was I was wondering if you you had that. I mean, I'm not trying to trick you or do a gotcha. I was I was legitimately curious if there's a um, nebula story coming down the pike where he finds her. Well, let's see. I do know he does show up in early some of the, like the teens of uh, the Silver Surfer series that will come up in a year or so. Is that when Englehart was writing it, or is that yeah. when Starlin started writing it? Okay, Englehart. Because Starlin didn't start till 34. Good stuff, too. I've read all that. Uh, I, I really uh, I really enjoyed the uh, rebirth of Thanos storyline leading to Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, uh, no, that's, that's actually good. some of the first uh, Silver Surfer stuff I've ever read, actually, of the, of like uh, like his solo title. Uh, I was just yeah. really interested in reading the Infinity Gauntlet. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to read all this other stuff leading up to it because i feel like i'll get more out of it and you know what i really got a lot more out of the infinity gauntlet uh on the reread that time yeah this is yeah but yeah this was the yeah he shows up like 17 or 18 somewhere around there i think maybe a little earlier 
but him and Fire I think Fire Lord's there too. It was issue 19. So they're still hanging out at that point. But if they show up anywhere in between, I do not know. Uh, I did like the short scene with Monica and her family, uh, simply because normal family life is not for every Avenger. No, not all of these people can go see their parents. Yeah, Cap can't. Wasp. The only, all we know about the Wasp is she had a dad, and he got killed their first appearance. Until you know, Hank started hanging out with her when she was sixteen. Because that doesn't age well. Um. Was she sixteen? I mean, they, they, it was kind of at the time to call somebody who was like twenty-five and a woman, you know, treat them like they were a child. So it, that is true. But Hank, she's just sixteen years old. Leave her oh. alone. They say. Oh, okay. So well, then, if it said that, then never mind. I'll, I'll no, I'm, I'm quoting that song. Uh, oh. That cheesy song from the late 80s or early 90s. There's a reason they say that, because you should leave her alone. Uh, yes. I will say that under Buscema and, and Palmer, uh, the Jerry Curl is not so Jerry Curlish. No. It does not look it so looks, horrible. It looks more like a perm, basically. Yeah. But back to the Monica thing, it's also interesting they're doing this at this time because really, for the most part, most heroes have families. It was along the lines of the Spider-Man thing of the main point of the family is to give them the conflict because they have to hide it. You know, I have to hide from Aunt May who I am. And Monica well, just shows up in costume. I, I wonder if that's because she doesn't have her a, a solo series. Um, I mean, it separates her one to have a family that is aware of her costumed identity. But, you know, Monica first appeared in a Spider-Man annual, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes. Uh, And then, you know, Stern brought her over to the Avengers. Excuse me. Sorry. It's uh, I guess we're every once in a while. My ribs catch on my breathing. And they're like, you're not taking a full breath. Uh, so I hate that you have to edit that out. I apologize. Uh, but it's fine. You know, and then he took her over, I think, for his first issue of the Avengers is when she comes into the team. Because I think well, she's on the cover. It's 227. I know that. Was his first issue or was when she came into it? Um, let's see. Because I thought his one. first. Yeah, I think his first issue was 227. Might be. Let's look. That's at least only we had the internet. Uh, yeah, two twenty six is Stephen Grant, and two twenty seven Roger Stern. So it might be, yeah, just might be his first issue, I believe. First, like full issue of his run. I think he did like a couple like fill ins before that, uh, which is always the, which is always the weird thing when you're tracking down like the run of a certain writer. And you go to Mike's Amazing World and you see that, like, he did, like, three random issues. Like, they did, like, four or five random issues of the book. It's like, do, do I read those? Or does that count of the run? Or am I being a completist? What's wrong yeah. with me? Because everyone says, you know, Peter David's first issue of The Hulk is 331. And it's not. It's 328. He did a fill-in. Or it's kind of like really a yeah. weird fill-in, but a fill-in. Well, yeah, it's that kind of thing of like where people look back and like oh, Claremont's on an X Men, you know, Giant Size X Men one all the way th- in ninety four through you know two seventy nine or seventy eight, and it's like, well, he actually didn't write Giant Size in ninety four ninety five. He really just scripted. 
Ah, and my memory was right. She is on the cover. She is serving yep. to split up the other images of Hank Pym in, in jail, She-Hulk strutting her stuff. And <laughs> I love this. See Henry Pym ponder his past. See the new Captain Marvel test her power. See She-Hulk strut her stuff. See the Wasp take a lunch. <laughs> All in color for six times. Well, at least the cover copy had a sense of humor. Yeah, and one of these issues nearby here, maybe it was a little before, basically it was like all of it, they, they, they say, next issue, the Wasp hosted Sea Party. <laughs> I may have to start throwing these in. I recently resubscribed to Marvel Unlimited uh, for some other things that I'm reading. I may just start pouring through Stern's run of the enti- his entire run, doing a couple <laughs> issues a day. Yeah, it, it's it's a dangerous thing sometimes. Like you're looking for something specific as you're you know doing a show or whatever, and you're like, oh, look at these though. But you know, for for the subscription fee, it's cheaper than buying the books or uh, takes even up buying them in... digitally on sale. So yeah, cheaper than that, and it takes up less room in the house. It's time once again to cover our feedback, and this time we are talking about last episode number one sixty one. D23 2022 MCU announcements with John Wilson. On Facebook, the post about that episode got likes and shares from Ranger Gord, Magazines of Monsters, Mirko Mackey, A World on Fire, an All-Star Squadron podcast, Jesse Starcher, Gene Hendricks, Joe Sedano, and Herman Lowe. On Twitter, it got likes and retweets from Longbox Review, Viet Huynh, Alan Sharp, Capes and Lunatics podcast, David Finn, John Reads Comics, Jason Snake Venable, and Into the Night. Now, don't forget, if you want to hear more from me, you can hear me pretty much every week on the L-E-G-I-O-N-P-O-D-Cast. You can find that on Legion Substitute Podcaster feed. And on that show, we talk about the late 80s, early 90s DC sci-fi series, Legion. That's the one with the acronym that takes place after Invasion, not the one with the Legion of Superheroes. I also have two guest appearances that have been just been recently released. On the Magazine of Monsters feed, under the Bronze Age of Horror title, you can find two episodes where Billy D and I are talking about the Werewolf by Night series from Marvel's Bronze Age. There's an episode where we cover Marvel Spotlight 3 and 4, and also another episode where we talk about Werewolf by Night 1 to 3. Links for that will be in the show notes. Now, if you have something you want to say to me, you have comments about this episode I do with Michael, or just anything else in general, here's how you can get in touch. You can send an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. Go on Facebook and like and share the posts about the episode there. Just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box and we will pop up. On Tumblr, follow us there, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. And of course, you can always have a talk to us on Twitter, at AdamThanosPod. Finally, this show is part of The Collective. The Collective was started by a few like-minded podcasters who wanted to network in the most traditional sense. It has become a repository for ideas, crossovers, and potential guest appearances, and you are going to hear a promo for one of the collective shows right now. Hello, I'm Alan. I'm Rebecca. And if you're listening to this, then we recommend that you check out our podcast, the DCAU Podcast, where we watch the original DC animated movies, starting from... Batman Mask of Phantasm and continuing on to Justice League Dark Apocalypse War and beyond and 
we will cover such heroes as Batman, Superman, The Batman, Wonder Woman, Victorian Steampunk Batman, The Flash, Batman Beyond, Green Lantern, Old Man Batman, Martian Manhunter, and plenty more versions of Batman. Lots and lots and lots of Batman. You can find the DCAU podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that you can get podcasts by looking up the DCAU podcast and subscribe today. But, uh, no, this was this was a wild ride, sir, and I appreciate you inviting me to be on it. No really problem. Do. Yeah, these are fun issues. Like, hey, like I said, the Roger Stern. This is, I mean, they're just good storytelling. I mean, I, I, I believe I said this in the first uh, episode. I, I, I associate personally Roger Stern more with Superman, um, mainly because that's where I was introduced to him, and he became part of one of the defining runs of my collecting history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would dare say of the character's history. And, and uh, yeah, that's probably where I got, first met him as a, as a current writer, not a past writer. And so it's neat seeing that for a guy that is in my head so closely associated with several DC properties, uh, Superman and the Will Paint Starman series, yeah. which if, if people out there have not read that, track it down however you can. It's well worth it. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, Stern did what most Marvel writers or writer artists did when they came over from Marvel to DC is write a Marvel book in the DC universe. And for whatever reason, those are the books that I wanted to read more. There's also a great article on a recent issue, back issue, 133, which is all about all the different Starmen, about his run on Starman. I, I just, I guess the moral of the story is that uh, I always wanted to be a Marvel fan. I just had to wait till those writers came over and did the same thing with the DC characters. <laughs> hey, had something had that's what grabbed you. Like I like uh, these characters, just do them, and then I'll come. I want to come back over and see what else you did. But no, this was it, it was cool seeing a couple comics from my primordial collecting days and going through them again. Uh, it was interesting seeing Nebula at this point in her evolution as a character, especially since I am so much more familiar with her as, as we were talking earlier, an MCU character, uh, you know, as one of the doctor's companions with a shaved head. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, no, this was just, I just, I just had a ball. It was, it was really, it was a really cool experience. I appreciate you asking me on for this. Well, no, thank you for, and thank you for being on. Uh, this was fun. And yeah, these are really fun issues to read. And yeah, these are some of the ones that make you, sometimes you read these things you're like, that was good. I read these and then I'm done. And then sometimes you're like, ooh, I want to keep reading more of this. Mm-hmm. So, and that's always nice when you get something like that because it's fun sometimes. You do so much podcasts and stuff. It's fun to have things that you just want to just keep reading for the fun of it. Yep. No, no, I'll, I'll agree. I totally relate to that as well. All right, well, before we finish up, if people want to hear more from you, tell them where to go. Very easy, www.fortressofbailey2.com. There you can find the home base for shows like From Crisis to Crisis, The Superman and Lois Tapes, Overlooked Dark Knight, Bailey's Batman Podcast, Views from the Long Box, and it all comes back to Superman. Uh, There are 
individual feeds for all the shows, and then there's a main feed if you just want everything. Uh, I like to give people options. But, uh, yep, it's all there. And go to the show notes. It'll be right there for Fortress of Billitude. All right. Well, that's it for this time, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I forget what's coming next week, next episode. So something. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peacelovproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page.